Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. My name is Trey Kaufman, and you're about to hear a conversation with one of my favorite people on this planet. As you're listening to this episode, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Before we get into it, I have a major announcement to share with all of you. I've been quietly working to start a second podcast called Bits of Happiness, in which I share the insights I've learned from hundreds of conversations just like the one you're about to hear with my good friend Bill. Bits of Happiness episodes will be short, about three minutes long, and they will be a way for me to share the most important lessons I've learned in happiness and lifestyle design. The first episode will air on Friday, March 4th, but if you click the link in the show notes of this episode and sign up for the Bits of Happiness email list, you'll receive the first episode in your inbox this Friday, February 25th. Following this introduction, I've included the Bits of Happiness trailer, which is out now. There's no doubt in my mind that every time I get a chance to speak with Bill O'Haran, it's going to be a life-changing and life-affirming conversation. Bill has a wisdom about him that he's earned through a life well-lived, and I only hope to find that I'm on a similar path to the one Bill has ventured. Bill O'Haran, licensed clinical social worker, is a corporate executive, practicing therapist on the weekends and evenings, and writer who seeks to use his 33 years of financial sales management experience, 24 years of marriage, 15 years of counseling clients, and 8,500 hours of sitting quietly to help his clients better understand themselves and deepen their relationships. Bill teaches that all our relationships with others, especially our marriage, started in the fourth grade when our limbic emotional body learned, absorbed, and inherited our parents' lives and experiences. His research shows that relationships fail for one single reason, a lack of understanding of one's own emotions and reaction patterns created in childhood. His work with archetypes demonstrates also that relationships are not a single experience or a dyad between two people, but are eight unique relationships all occurring at the same time. Three key concepts he uses to accelerate clients' work are stand in the fire, second law of thermodynamics at home, and relatus. These three provide direct access to understanding self. Following the Bits of Happiness trailer, please enjoy my conversation with my good friend, Bill O'Haran. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Bits of Happiness podcast. Each week, I, your host, Trey Kaufman, will share short bits of insight that have contributed to my own personal happiness and allowed me to design a life I'm excited to wake up to every single day. My goal is never to preach, never lecture, but share real-world experiences and lessons I've learned over the course of hundreds of conversations with leaders from all over the world about how they live their best as possible lives. Bits of Happiness episodes are short, digestible, and most importantly, actionable. New episodes are released weekly, every Friday morning. We've been given an amazing opportunity to live a life of our choosing. Let's make it an incredible one. Subscribe at bitsofhappiness.life. Bill, my friend, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks for your time, Trey. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to speaking. 
Yes, me too. I um, we, we were just talking about it, but it, it's crazy to me. The last time we released an episode, and shoot, the last time we talked was almost a year ago, and it just it it doesn't. I don't know. It, t- time is weird in that sense that it doesn't feel that long ago, but it also feels like a lifetime ago, given yes. how fast the world moves. So I'm so thankful that we're able to catch up. Ditto, ditto. Really am. I've been looking forward to this for for weeks now. Me too. Well, how, how have you been? I think uh, last time we kind of chatted or texted back and forth, you were on the road, uh, mm-hmm. driving across the country. How, how was that? <laughs> so my wife and I just got back on Tuesday, so almost a week ago, pulled into Austin, 158 days on the road, 11,000 wow. miles in our 2008 minivan with our two dogs. I'm still doing what I do during the day and the evening, raise capital during the day in the financial field, and then uh, you know, the counseling business as you you know, as you could probably tell, it's just been flourishing. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the therapeutic right. world and the and mental health world is flourishing to the, you know, because people are struggling and trying to figure it out. So we've been really, really busy. It was nice to be on the road, happy to be back. Um, and now it, I feel a little bit more grounded. You know, you know, we've just been living out of Marriott's, which has been great. It was great for our relationship. Great to see the world. Uh, but now we're back and, and um, really, really thankful for that, for that, you know, five month escapade. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, you know, I want, I'm going to ask you about therapy in a second here, but I, first I want to stick on the, the traveling side of things. So I, I, what, what, what is your experience like when you're on the road? I mean, so you, I know you mentioned Marriott, are you all, are, are you all a hotel all the time? Do you like to see like the natural wonders of the country? Are you mm. camping? Are you out sleeping in your car at all? I'm just curious what <laughs> traveling with Bill yeah. is like. Yeah. So I think if it was just Bill and the dogs, it'd be a little bit more, um, it would be a little bit more hippie-like or yeah. uh, bohemian, but um, my sixty-year-old wife, God bless her, um, you know, we just we like we like the creature comforts in the evening. But we we don't miss a sight. We were in Moab for a week, and you know, we were out walking around. We were uh, we were in Colorado just doing a little bit of hiking, and then you know, we wanted to see our daughter in Seattle. And we're always, you know, what I what I've loved about my relationship with my wife is she has this curiosity like you curiosity and life is nothing but curiosity. It really is. And when, and when you lose that, that, um, that sense that you've seen everything, you've done everything, you know, I, I don't, I think we'd had that sense. We wouldn't have gotten in our minivan on August 27th and taken off. And by the way, we got in the minivan and had no idea where we were going to lay our heads that <laughs> night. And we are adults. So we probably should have known, but right. we see everything like we, we really want to, you know, I've been to 46 countries. I've been around the globe. And, and you know what? I don't think us Americans spend enough time focused on, you know, what's Idaho like? What's it like to sit in a cafe at two o'clock in, in Boise um, or Idaho Falls where we were? You know, what what's Seattle like, you know, in Kirkland at five o'clock in the afternoon? We're trying to get some Chinese food. Like we, I just wanted to know what it's like to be living, not where we normally live. And that to yes. me is the great adventure of life. And I hope I'm doing that. I hope I last in my seventies and eighties. And I, I know if I'm still, you know, ambulating and walking and, and talking, I will be on the road because I think life is to be seen and tasted. And you can't do that within your four walls. I don't care how good technology is. You just, you have to visually experience being on the beach. I took a surfing lesson in Calabas in, in, um, in um, Carlsbad, you know, I, we, we went, you know, good, you know, shopping through these little boutiques in, uh, Eureka, Eureka, California. Like, who goes to Eureka? And it's really cool. I wouldn't want to live there. No offense. Yeah. But loved it. Absolutely loved it. Oh, man. That's incredible. And I, <laughs> I know this is a really weird comparison, but as you talk about being in small towns at an odd time of day, 
one of the one of the things that I always loved, and I'm, this this show comes to mind specifically. I'm sure you can name any show that has any amount of traveling, but the X Files when yes. uh, Scully and Motor they would <laughs> wind up in you know in the middle of nowhere Nowheresville, and they're just you know investigating some you know mysterious event. I just I always love that idea of you know experiencing some town that 500 people live in, and they it's just a quiet, sleepy town until obviously a ghost or an alien shows up. But it's a really <laughs> cool thought to yeah. just give some random town a try because everything has history and it's really cool to be able to experience that. It's amazing. Yeah. hundred percent. And also, you know, again, I like to look at a map, right? And so yeah. you can look at a map and it's, you know, whatever, one dimensional, two dimensional. And then you're like, then you're actually there and you're like, wow, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Like we're driving the, the, what they call it, the highway of giants. When you leave Oregon, you're heading towards California, you're in California. I mean, it is remote. I mean, America is still vastly unpopulated. Like that's another thing that, you know, me as an East coaster have at times we lose sight of, right? So I'm from New Jersey and I'm here, I'm down in Austin. It's just growing gangbusters, but America's empty. This is beautiful, incredible, vast, empty space that infuses, that lives in all our DNA as kind of, you know, pioneers on some level. And just to be able to experience that, um, I just think, you know, just like everybody should travel to Europe or abroad so they can appreciate America when you're here in the States, get in the car and just drive. You know, a lot of people don't like the long laborious drive. I totally get it, but you know, it's, it, it, it's an education. There is no better education. I always say to my kids, um, I got one daughter that's in El Salvador right now. She's been traveling for four months. I've got another daughter that did school in Spain. I did another daughter that traveled, worked as a, um, as a dancer on a cruise ship. She saw 32 countries by the time she was 19. And like, so I think it's in the DNA of the, maybe it's the Druid Irish, I don't know what it is in, in the DNA, but seeing the world is, I just think, makes us richer. Like we talk about, you have to know history to know your present. And I think you have to know other places to know your own community. Yes, absolutely. And, yeah, you know, me living here in the Midwest, you from New Jersey, you know, on the this eastern part of the United States where the population is so condensed, it, it mm. is so easy to forget that there are areas of the country where you can go miles and miles and miles without yes, seeing anybody. Incredible. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I mean that that spell between between Salt Lake and Seattle, you know the parts of um, bits of Idaho and and bits of of eastern Washington State. I mean it's it, it ironically there's these it, it gets a little bit barren and then you have this lush you know um, kind of uh, crescent uh, valley of just this super like the rivers is flooding the plains and like Del Monte I guess has got all these fruit plants there. We're like, whoa, what is this? I had no idea. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, You know what? I'm going to, I need to take inspiration from you because, you know, (laughs) that is one of the things that I've been wanting to do for for some time. And I mean, yes, I I struggle to just hop in the car and, you know, spend eight, 10 hours in it. But I, I guess if... You know, I think about that from the point of having a destination in mind and anticipating where I'm going to get. If I didn't have that and I was just traveling and I could pull over to a campsite and just camp for the night, I I think that'd be a lot easier to to digest for not only me, (laughs) but for others as well. I agree. You're right. I mean, you got to have a goal, right? Nobody really wants to sit in the car for seven hours in a day, but you're right. We had a mission. Um, And there's also something meditative about being in a car and, um, you know, we kind of like that part of our shared experience with my wife. Um, yeah. You know, we like traveling together because stuff comes up that wouldn't come up if we're just sitting in the kitchen or sitting in Austin. Like we're, we're challenging each other and we're stuck in the same space together and it's hard. Yes. Yes. But, um, 
Well, yeah. that's, uh, I'm, I'm glad you made it back. I'm glad you got to experience <laughs> that. Um, yeah. And, you know, to your point a little bit ago, uh, you, you talked about your therapy practice and how that's flourishing and how that's a, a bad thing, but also a good thing at the same time. And I, I would like to, I would just like to expand upon that because yeah. I, I think obviously we've all been through a lot in the last few years. I think we're getting to a point where this is, I know it's so overstated, but that's yeah. this is the new normal. But yep. we, but part of that new normal is the normalization of <laughs> asking for help, of yep. you know, speaking with people to, because we're not feeling like we're in our best state of minds. And I've even started to see commercials offering. Yep help for people who are, are who who are in need because they're they are they're they're depressed or they're having anxiety issues and it's there just seems to be a lot more resources available now than there were before i mean yes. are you seeing the an uptick because of there being more resources or are you seeing an uptick because we seem to be in a worse place mm. or is it a combination of the two great question all the above um and i say you know i was just talking to a buddy about this last week. Um, and you know, when I was 25, 26, 27, a million years ago, the eighties, nobody did therapy. I mean, yes, there was therapy being done, but it was, you know, it was a non, it wasn't even in the, in the language of the vernacular of 20 year olds and 30 year olds. Now today, fast forward, you know, kids that are 22 to 32, 35, whatever, they're all I should say they all, a lot of them are in it. Right. A lot of them have a language. A lot of them talk about just, you know, astrology. They're, they're looking for answers, right? And so yeah. in the mammal, we're mammals. In us, the reason why humans succeeded, this is part of the research we did, why we succeeded as this, as this part of the, you know, earth uh, subsect or subspecies. Right. Is that there's something in the mammal that needs to have relationship, that needs to be connected. It's, it's the bonding together of tribes in the past that made them, you know, able to work together. We needed to work together in order to um, succeed gathering food and building cultures and building, you know, this has been going on for a couple hundred thousand years. And so I feel like my generation, I'm 57, we created this wonderful, we had this desire to come out into the world. You know, my, my parents are depressionary parents, right? They're, right. They, we, they infuse like, just go work, get a job, everything will be fine, right? They kind of miss the it's okay. Yeah. There's the psycho-emotional component, the psycho-spiritual component of, of life as an adult. Not good, not bad, just the way it is. So our generation, my generation, we went out, we made a bunch of money. It was the 80s, Reagan, 90s, and we created this technology. We thought the technology, I think from a macro level, when you look down, we thought this technology, not we, I didn't do anything. I'm an English major. But like in general, yeah. we looked at this technology as so we're going to bring the world together, which it absolutely has. The challenge is it's also dislocated and, and um, push people away from interaction, the visual face-to-face. -face. I can't get my kids to pick up the phone. They'll right. text, but they won't right. want to pick up the phone because there's this insecurity like, oh, am I going to say, say the wrong thing? I was just on TikTok and everybody's having this great experience and I'm stuck at home crying. And so it's just accentuated what's naturally been there in the modern culture of separating, right? Look at the suburbs. The suburbs, the great separating away from the community centers that like, look at Europe, right? If you lived in Belgium right now, you live in a community. Right. You're not out on a farm, you know, 400 miles away from a hospital, 200 miles away from a coffee house. Right. And so America has been built on this pioneering spirit. But we've now this generation. I'm telling these kids are, are it's really, really tough for all human beings. But this next generation, these kind of 20 year olds, to yeah. you know, maybe late 30 year olds. It is a new paradigm. It is changing 
the lens of sexuality and appreciation, knowledge and, and, and desires and sexuality. It's changing right. the psychology. It is a watershed moment. We're in this transition and we know from a higher level, we know we're leaving the Piscean age and enter the Aquarian age. And we know that the Mayans have been talking about that. All the cultures have been talking about these 2,500 year cycles, 12,000 year cycles, 24,000 years. It's alive. Mother earth is changing. It's yeah. shifting. And this generation, unfortunately, is the tip of the plow. Our generation were like, yeah, it's going to be all good. We talked about environmentalism. We talked about spirituality, but we didn't do anything. I mean, I, I'm being, I, I don't want to say it like that. We didn't do enough. And I'll tear up right now talking about this next generation. It's, it's, I got three girls that are 20 and older and it's really hard. Yeah. You know, like you and I are kind of built to just, you know, muck through and muddle through and challenge be in, in this 3d plane, this earth plane. It's hard. It's hard being a human being, right? Um, it's, it's just, it's harder on this generation. I've got this tremendous empathy for, um, for the way the world right now, you know, and I want to be additive. You know, I want to have these conversations. I want to push people. I want to help people. I want to hold space for people just as I'm holding space to myself. I still got a lot of work to do. Right. I've been at it for 26 years. Yeah. Um, and it, on some levels, it just, it's just begun. So anyway, sorry. No, no, please don't apologize. You're kidding me. Um, I always feel, as I think about this conversation in the context of this conversation specifically, I feel like I, I grew up on the cusp. I, uh, mm -hmm. I was born in 85. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I, I got my first computer in, I don't know, late 90s. I didn't mm -hmm. really know what the internet was until yeah. I was in high school, early 2000s. Yeah. Facebook didn't pop up until I just started college. And so, I, you know, Web 2.0, social media, it was, it, was, it was an afterthought to me. I was like, yeah. oh, this is cool. I can add some value to my life. So I, it's not something I grew up on. But mm -hmm. I, I, you know, right behind me is yeah. where I, I saw my sisters start to grow up mm -hmm. on it. Nice. Um, and it, it was, it's been interesting. And I, and I guess what I want to ask you, it can, it seems very obvious on the surface, but we're talking about relationships and developing them and why it's so important for us to have interpersonal communication and face-to-face, -face, uh, you know, have mm -hmm. that face-to-face -face feeling. I guess my, my question is why can't the same, I know it can't happen, but why can't the same thing happen online? Why can't you develop the same kind of relationships? Why can't you have the same sort of communication skills that you can have face-to-face? -face? And I'm, I, I don't, I know it's a very loaded question. I'm just curious no, if you had insights question. on that. It's a great, great question. Well, if you look at how the human brain works and how the body works, that we're, you and I are communicating right now and our ears are really kind of doing a lot of it. But, right. but behind that are all these sensors in the brain and sensors in the heart, right? The heart sends 5,000 more signals to the brain than the brain does to the heart. And so when you're just texting somebody in a one-dimensional space, two-dimensional space, you're not using all the mammalian sensors, all the human sensors. You're not using your limbic body. The limbic memory, for instance, is not a rational experience. It's not a neocortex experience. Memory is built and stored and recollected using the reticular activating system. It's using the limbic system. It's using your belly and your heart. Your heart is the key to memory. That's why a lot of kids on Adderall lose their memory because they're so they they've kind of they've they've kind of expunged or they've put the emotional piece a little bit on hold when you're activating the left brain, the rational brain to get stuff done, right? And so there are so many sensors going on 
when you interact with somebody face to face, right? So you're picking up their belly, right? We know the heart absorbs electrons, right? That was the basis of my whole book. It's, it was originally be called the space in between because for the first 10 years of your life, you're purely limbic. There is no rational sensibility. There's no rational mechanism keeping stuff away. That's what the rational brain does. It's designed to keep emotions away. But the first 10 years of your life, you're absorbing your parents' heart. You're not absorbing necessarily, yeah, you're absorbing their hair color and eye color. You're absorbing your dad's sense of himself. You're absorbing your mom's sense of yourself. So when I'm face to face with you, I'm picking up inflection points that I'm not conscious of. I'm picking up your body language, your sense of self, all that stuff that simply cannot happen little bit over Zoom, it can happen. Certainly right. not in text. Yes, on a phone call is good, um, but it's just it's it's deeper, and it's also our vulnerability is more revealed face to face, right? Yeah. You know, um, you know, you see that I'm wearing a shirt that's got a tear in it, right? You're picking up cues on that. You know, it's not good or bad, but it's the full bouquet of vulnerability of human experience has to be done face to face. And so, at like now, you have the overlay of COVID, right? That's a right. big reason why kids are disconnected, right? Not getting face-to-face in a classroom. I mean, do the math in terms of what you pick up and learn. <laughs> I mean, there's so much science there, so much data there. You just you have to be in a classroom, right? So I, I think it really comes down to the biophysical, the bioemotional, the biospiritual. It's so much more happening beyond what we're actually, our rational adult brain is capable of picking up yeah. um, in the actual face-to-face, body-to-body contact. Yeah. <laughs> and so are we going in the right direction or the wrong direction? And let me give a little bit of additional context. Mm. I mean, we talk about the online universe and we, and I, you know, specifically I want, I don't want to necessarily talk about it, you know, in its functionality, but the right. metaverse, you know, that the, the big, you know, word that's, you know, coming, come to surface um, because of Facebook. And I mean, it was, it was a word that was invented for snow crash, a book out of the nineties, which is you know, that. great. It's yeah. Um, I just, I, it's not a new concept, but it's one that is finally taking grip. So I'm just curious if we should be worried about where things are going. Obviously there's so much nuance and how technology is utilized and, and created that you can't just label one thing good or bad. I'm just, I'm curious, but in regard to our relationships, is there hope for how we, you see things progressing? <laughs> yes, there's always hope and I'm eternally hopeful. That makes me delusional. Delusional equals hope, hopefulness. Um, absolutely. And, and, you know, here's a really here's one of the key components of like why we come back as human beings. The work done in a human's life, it's not in space. It's not in the ether. It's done in our body, in earth, on earth. We are made up of um, the, you know, the four elements, the five elements, ether, and then the four, you know, physical elements. We are here on earth to be in the earth body, right? Spirituality is not about leave the body and go out and touch heavens. No, spirituality is bring the intelligence of the multidimensional singular source, whatever you want to call it, into your body, into this life, into this work. And it's a heavy life. Life is heavy. We're a bag of bones infused with this thing that's inanimate that we're trying to understand that we will probably never understand. But the work is done here right now in this earth plane. And so, yeah, metaverse is all fun. That's a great escape. Come back into your body. Feel that vulnerability. Communicate it. Share it. Cry it. Weep it. Dance it. Celebrate it. Look at all the ancient 
all the old cultures, they celebrated that the, the Native Americans, I think you and I talked about, have this ancient ceremony called lamenting. The elders get around a fire and they're not metaversing themselves. They're coming into their bodies and weeping for the preciousness of being human. And through the lamentation process comes wisdom and knowledge of being human and then being able to share that vulnerability with the community. That is the work of life. And it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's hard being human, but damn. We came back for a reason. And there's 7 billion humans that have come back for a reason. It's not time to escape. It's not time to take a plane or a balloon up to Mars or whatever. That's all air. That's fine. That's fun. That's a distraction from the spiritual work done in our temple, aka our body. The body's the temple of experience. Be in it. I know it's tough. I know it's tough. And, And, you know, that's why... The therapeutic process is so important because we all need guidance. There was always shamans and medicine men for a hundred thousand years, and you know, reach out to those medicine men, find those resources, keep asking, don't stop asking, be curious about your own life, and you know, ask for the help. Absolutely, um, you know, in um, the email you sent over. You quoted Carl Jung by saying, mm. uh, "There's no coming to consciousness mm. without without pain." Yeah, and I, you know, I I, I was not familiar with that quote, um, but I, I I love it, and I think it you know applies perfectly to the context of this conversation here. Mm. And you know, I, to your point, I think the metaverse or virtual reality or even just the internet as it stands now, it's just, it's, it provides an opportunity for escapism and it allows us to not focus on the things that we need to improve in our own lives. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I I think there's a time and place for, you know, sitting down watching a movie so you can suspend reality for a bit, but you know, if we're going to do that so we can avoid our problems, that becomes a, a big issue. Life is about the heart. You know, if you look at all the ancient cultures, you know, that the I am statement and, and, and you look at the Kabbalah, I mean, this is what we're studying. You know, you'll probably, you know, I'll probably get onto it later in this conversation, but this is all, this is the only thing I'm working on right now is we're, we're, we're building, we've got some really smart bodies around me. Finally, we're building a curriculum. It's going to be college level curriculum. We're going, to, we're going to teach it at any level, but it's really all about understanding that every single religion, every single culture, whether it's Judaism, Muslim, it's all the same thing. It's all about bringing the I am, bringing the spirit, Allah, God. All those are words, are symbols. They have a frequency and a vibration that you bring into the body, which then changes the biofrequency of your own body. That's what re- the word religion. What's the word religion come from? Lingar, lingar from, re- from Latin, to bind, to bring together. What is yoga? Union. It's all one single exercise being a human being, bringing that which is non-physical, which is really hard to understand. This is just one dimension we're in. When we dream, we're at the fourth dimension. We go to the fifth dimension. We're, we're traveling. And then when we wake up, as the natives say, we're asleep. So in this conscious space right now, in the 3D plane, we're asleep to everything else. And religion means to bring that into your body right now. And that's the work of life. And again, it's hard. It's difficult. But it's why we choose to come back when you actually talk to somebody and have them close their eyes and realize you're here because there's stuff to learn. And it's all done through the heart. It's not done through the head. The head's an echo. The heart has all the wisdom. And so I have tremendous hope that you and I and other people can 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 crack our own heart open. That's what it's called. The word memory has the word heart based in it remembering who we are, remembering our purpose. That's, that's, and once you start to tune into that frequency of your heart, 
everything changes. You're going to cry. I just got off a session last week with a buddy of mine who's 52, who's like, Bill, I can't take it anymore. Super successful, but the sadness is rising up. I said, you know, I won't say his name and say it's John. It's not John. It's in your home. You're yeah. coming home to your heart. This is what all the sadness from seventh grade and fifth grade and your dad leaving all that stuff. Bring it up. Celebrate it. We're going to dance and celebrate. He's like, it's too hard. I'm like, it won't be hard once you befriend it more. You just have, this is the first layer breaking through. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think you bring up a, a poignant point, at least in relation to my own life. I've, mm. I, I think I obviously having strong relationships is, is invaluable and having a community around you to show support. And so you can, you know, express yourself creatively. I, I think there's so much value for that. But mm. for me, I don't think I was able to really appreciate the value of my relationships with others until I finally, just recently, probably within the last six months, truly understood the value of the relationship with myself. And I, it was wow. something that I just, I don't know if I, if I was ignoring it or if I just, mm. you know, was saying that the only thing that's important is how is my friendship with others, my relationship with my family, or if it's just something I start, finally started to start to look inward and realize that I'm not going to be happy with anybody or anything until I'm happy Bingo. with who or content with who I am in this moment. And I can always, <sighs> you know, can, can continue growing and progressing in my pursuits, but until I'm comfortable with me, yeah. the, the, the value is just not going to be there. You nailed it, Trey. You nailed it. And unfortunately, it takes, not unfortunately, it takes time, especially I think for men, like you're 37, right? Oh my, well, that will be this year. You will be this year, right? So it's not until we enter our 30s does the kind of seeking deeper meaning and purpose and the gravitas of being a human, you know, it's, it's, we're not almost uh, developmentally and, and brain wise, all human beings, we don't actually enter adulthood until the millenniation process happens in our brain at 28, 29, 30. So no matter what we thought we could process and understand and, and want at 25, 26, we're not on some levels capable of, of accessing that until we get to our thirties. And so it's perfect. You're in perfect sequence and timing with what then becomes more important is if you were having, if you and I relaxed and we went back and had that conversation with your 28 yourself, 28 year old self, your 28 yourself would have been like, ah, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm processing. I'm doing shit. Excuse my French. I'm doing no, stuff. Yeah. Right. It's a doing stuff time of your life. And now the waves of the right brain of the sadness, longing of being human are washing back up at shore and you either embrace them or you avoid them. And then God forbid you wait till your forties and fifties and then stuff really gets heavy because you've, you've, they've calcified and you are like, no way, I can't do this. And then you have your break at 51 years old, have your break at 35, 36 year old to realize all that matters is who I am and my reaction to the world and my relationship. And that's really the only thing that matters and everything else that can unfold from that is where the good stuff is, with the rich stuff of the real stuff of life. Not to say businesses aren't real and having lots of money and having lots of houses. That's real and that's good and it's good to have and good to desire. But in the end, when they put the last shovel over you and I, what did we leave here? What did we add to the community? What did we what did we share? How vulnerable were you and I? And if I can't leave everything here on this plane, then I just got to come back and do it all over again. And by gum, by golly, that's not my plan. My plan is to leave it all out, nothing left, burn off as much karma as I can yeah. so that I can finish. And I think that's what the human experience is about. And that's what you're doing. I appreciate that. And it, it gives me chills uh, mm. specifically because this is something we briefly touched on last time and how 
you know, in your thirties uh, or when you turn 35, I think in, in cycles of seven, yep. you had talked you about that's it. when you got life it. starts to change. Yep. And I, I know I'm oversimplifying, but I did want to no. bring this up because coincidentally, um, 37 is my favorite number, my lucky number. Mm. You know, I don't want to read too much into that, but- No, it's important. It's very important, actually. We're going to get to that in a second, but Okay. Go going into this year, um, I, I, I don't know, I might- you know, we, we spoke briefly offline, my business is thriving, which feels fantastic. I feel like I have the disposable income to pursue the things that I really want to do. I, I, I plan on falling back in love with golf this year because I have mm. the time to do so. And <laughs> touching back on uh, and social media and the internet, I, I actually, through a guest, I, I finally got onto TikTok recently over the last month or so. And I actually fell in love with the platform and, you know, do me a favor and hear me out. Yes, please. Of course. No, it's beautiful. I've realized that Facebook and Instagram, while they may, while they definitely will not promote this publicly, they're in the they're in the business of FOMO. They're in the business of creating envy and making people fear <laughs> totally. like they're missing out. <laughs> TikTok, I've realized, is they are creating. They 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 make me want to do things like mm. this. Isn't people sitting on a beach? This is people doing amazing things yep. that I actually want to experience. I'm like, oh my god, Love I it. want to go para uh, paramotoring. Like that's yep. something I actually want to do. And mm. I've over the last 24 hours, I've become obsessed with learning all about and getting a parachute and putting a motor on my back or oh a big god. fan on my back and just freaking <laughs> flying. It sounds incredible, and that is because amazing. of TikTok. And so I don't know. I'm I'm finding this new vigor for life. You know, mm. going into my third. 37th year and it just it feels absolutely phenomenal i love it i love it now that's so it's that's huge now here's what i'll tell you what's happening frequency wise and vibration wise when you talk about sevens and seven so important we can get into that we could dive back into that now but yes. the point is is that when you turn 35 you finish five seven year cycle so that was a one cycle so so the one cycle is the brand new kind of beginning. So the energy has, you've processed at 34, the seven, they call that, that, that year before the one cycle. So 34, 27, you know, before 20, the, the year 28, yeah. you know, seven times four is 28. So it's a heavier, right? It's a process against unconscious. Your soul's got its own mission. The soul works on the seven kind of frequencies. And so 34 is going to be hump, again, toilet bowl harder. Now 35, right. the energy is, is it starts to um, unify again. It starts to, um, co- it, it, it gets more cohesive. So it's much better in the 3D plane, the material world, the one cycle is a great time to plant, right? It's all about today is the result of last week and a thousand weeks ago, right? Today, what you and I experience today as human beings isn't, isn't it's, it's, it's an amalgamation of everything we've done and haven't done consciously and unconsciously up to this point. So, what you did with your one cycle is you started planting consciously. You didn't even realize you were planting stuff, right? So you plant in a one cycle because it's going to bear fruit in your threes and fives. Now, here's the great thing. The two cycle, this last, you know, the, the, at the age of 36, it's it tends to be the result of a lot of the planting that you've done. Now you're about to enter a three. So the one, three, and five are the strongest materializing. And I don't mean money. I mean- right. We we can have great ideas, but if we don't figure out a way to get them from our right brain, emotional world into the physical plane, they just are ideas circling in the ether. Right. And so the, the three cycle, which you're about to enter, is the best time to continue to plant whatever you thought you wanted to do. You plant the seed, you make the conversation, you buy the parachute, whatever it is, you plant, 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 and you'll see some of those results 
at the age of 37, but you're going to see a lot of those results at 39, 40, right. 41. Everything you do today, now you're in a two, but in, particularly when you're in a three cycle, plant your ass off, put it into work, put it into the eat, put it into the physical plane, have those conversations. Like, ah, I've been waiting to have this conversation for a couple of years. Have it, have it in the three. The four, when you turn 38, heart really creative, not as good as productive. It's not, it's not the time you necessarily want to plan. It doesn't mean you don't plan and do your right, life, whatever, right. but it's much more expansive. It's much more hard, much more creative. Anyway, I, so you're, you're about to enter a powerful phase. So just know that what you plant at the age of 37 will bear nice. The roots will be thicker um, because you're doing it in a three cycle versus a two, four, seven cycle. That's amazing. And, you know, I, I will be completely honest with you. I, I'm a fairly pragmatic person, but when we first spoke and the, the way that it falls in line with my mm. human experience over the last few years, it's, it, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to deny that sort of thing. So I, you know, I try to have an open mind and, you know, I, you are, <laughs> you are somebody I respect higher than anybody else. And so, you know, ha- actually listening to this and, and sharing the message in a way that it feels feels right it feels true i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say i just i, mm. I appreciate it and I'm, I'm so thankful for that thank you thank you and, and 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 a lot of the context of the seven is go look at how many times seven's mentioned the bible how many yeah. times you know seven days of the week seven plans so this isn't like airy fairy new agey right. stuff this is ancient old stuff that's been around but again you got to remember our experience this kind of first world, you know, dare I say white, you know, European experience is we've kind of expunged all the, and again, hate this word, the metaphysicality, right. the alchemy that's been around for thousands. Of, astrology was taught in the Greek schools, in the Egyptian schools. It wasn't like something out there. It was the science of the day, right? And these were really yeah. smart yeah. cultures. Like look at what all our, all the, you know, our philosophy, our science, it all comes from the Greeks, the Romans, the Egyptians, right? And so yeah. we just, it was the, unfortunately, it was the, I'm just going to say it, it was the Christianity and the church that really wanted to separate the metaphysics and the powerful science of spirituality from religion. And they yeah. separated the two. We're in the Aquarian age. It's separation. That's done. It's all coming back. Right. Like if you want to be an astrologer, what a great time now versus the 90s, right? It's just, why? Not because it's airy-fairy. It's not because you're going to read, oh, you're going to fall in love. No, it's about there's information to be had yes. in all this stuff. So the seven cycle work might not jive a lot of people. doesn't matter. It's a fact and it's true. Go back and look at who you were at 34 and what you're going through, what was going on at 27, what was happening when you were 41. I mean, I've got buddies that were suicidal at 48. I'm like, hang in there, hang in there. They're like, how do you know, Bill? You don't know shit. I'm like, you're right. I don't know shit, but hang your ass in there. Because when you turn 49, the energy is going to shift. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's incredible. I, I, again, I, I appreciate that. And I, um, as I go throughout this year, I want to make sure we stay in contact because Absolutely. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm I, the crazy old man in Austin. No. Um, but yeah. yeah. I, I, I appreciate it. Um, Thank I, you. I want to I talk more about your work. Um, mm. uh, the the curriculum, curriculum mm-hmm. you're building. Um I don't know. You, you talk about the I am, um, and yeah. I just—I don't know. Just talk more about that because yeah. I, it's not something I have a grasp on. Sure. Um. So let's let's look at an ancient symbol to explain. You know, and again, the I am is such a it it it's those are words, and unfortunately, our rational, you know, modern culture looks at words, but we have to look at the frequency and the symbolism of a word, 
right? So I am is simply the I is this eternal one source, multidimensional thing that's created everything called God, whatever you want to call it. And it just comes down. It's in this plane. It's in this earth plane is this non-physical super, you know, super source. And the am simply means is I am part of this bigger thing, right? So you and I aren't separate. We feel, it's, we smell, it's, it smells like we're separate. It feels like we're separate. It hears like we're not separate. We're part of the same bigger motion of this, this eternal multi-dimensions. There's not just five dimensions. Apparently it's 15 or 20 dimensions all happening right now. Right. Um, but, but let's, let's look at a symbol. Let's look at the star, David. The star, David is triangles and symbols. Geometry is how the universe is built. Ask a scientist. It's all, it's, you know, it's symbols and, 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 and geometry is the underlying, um, formation of everything that exists. If you look at this plastic screen I'm looking at, if you look at the cells uh, and the electrons of the things inside there, they're all shapes. They're all geometric shapes. So what's the star, David? It's a triangle pointing up and it's a triangle pointing down. What is that symbol? It means that we're in earth and we open ourselves up so we can be present so that we're paying attention to the what's in the sky and in the sky is pointing down so it comes into our heart. And so our heart, so the star David is the inflection point. The star David sits in your, is the symbol of one's heart because it's from the heart that the lower chakras, which are about survival, procreation, pooping, right? Those are the lower needs of our mammalian self. The crossover happens, the spiritual self, which is infused and can be aware and conscious of all this non-physical stuff. We don't lift up and go away from our body. We bring it into our heart and the heart's the intersection between our lower chakras and this eternal I am experience. And it's in the heart space that it happens. It's your heart. If you close your eyes tonight and you meditate for 15 minutes and focus on your heart, all your desires, all your longing, all your sadness is going to come out. All your joy is going to come out. That's the information of the eternal putting itself through you. It's not your thoughts. It's your feeling and experience of the eternal. And that's all we're trying to do is get at it. So the I am is simply, I am part of this grand big thing going on. I don't understand it, but if I get quiet enough, I can feel it and I can remember who I am. And then I come out of that, that, that expansive heart space. And I try to activate the wisdom that's coming through, through my body, the temple of the body and everything else is air. Everything else is bullshit, right? You, you can. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying religion's bullshit. Right. Those right. temples were built to go in to, to to sort your frequency out, to get into a. All those were placed. If you look at what the druids were doing, all those ancient sites that the Catholics plopped church on, those were those were chakras, frequencies in Mother Earth that had a dip that were flowing at a, at a pace where you could sit there and you opened up your physical self to feel and hear and sense. The bigger self. That's all it was. Yeah. That's all it was. And that's what a temple is. A temple was designed to get in there, get quiet, and sort and, and move your frequency so you can hear the eternal whispering through you. That's it. Is this all uh, I mean, how yeah, I know you didn't use the word, but I mean sitting quietly listening to your heart. I I know I'm just oversimplifying that, but I mean, are, are we talking about meditation? Are we talking mm-hmm. about a, a kind of a deeper practice? No. It's you know, it's just 
meditation. That's yeah. what it is. I, I try not to, you know, you know, I, you know, I talked about it. Meditation kind of freaks a lot of people out. Right. I literally were on this call. Oh my God. We're on this call. And I get a text from a gentleman that's 51 years old who two years ago, his what, I mean, crazy, super successful, crazy, crazy. And I looked him in the eye and I said, just go sit quietly. He's like, yes. Bill, I can't do it. I can't do it. He has been on a mission where he did a hundred day sit, I think half an hour a day, and it's completely changed his life. Now, yeah. it wasn't because of me, because right. when you open up your heart, it all comes out. Yeah. That's all it is. So, you know, you and I can call it meditation, we call it sitting. I just say, sit quietly. First time anybody said it to me was March of 1996. And I know, you know, I probably talked about it a little bit. They just said, go sit quietly with your back straight. I'm like, what, what do I do? They're like, shut the heck up and go into a room quiet with a dimly lit room and put your back straight and just sit. Yeah. I'm like, what do I do then? Like, you'll figure it out. Just do it. Changed everything. Yeah. Changed my entire life. One, one 45 minute session changed everything. And it's not going to happen to everybody, but by gum, by golly, you go sit in a room by yourself, you put your phone down, you turn everything off, dimly lit room, and you sit there and just listen yes. and you do it for 15 minutes, something's going to happen. And you know that, Trey. Absolutely, I do. And I, it's a, you bring up a good point. And I, now I'm thinking back to one of our original conversations. You said you've been sitting for you know 20 plus years. And <laughs> yeah. I, I realize that you use that language as opposed to meditate. And I mean, it could be semantics, but I, I think sitting is just, there's so much less. Too loose. Yeah. 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 And it's just, yeah. it's easier. You don't have to, you don't have to convince yourself to clear your mind, which I, mm -hmm. I think is kind of a, mm -hmm. you know, the wrong, the poor conception of what meditation yep. is, but it just, you, you know, for me, I, I'm, I'm thankfully getting back into sitting and, you know, some of my best ideas come about when I'm just sitting there quietly, tr totally. not trying to control my head or control, you know, where my thoughts or anxieties yeah. go. Totally. It's real. And, and so we, Part of our conversation half an hour ago here is just, you know, why is this modern culture so dislocated? Why? Because we've put such a value on the outside world. Look at your phone. Look at social media. Like, you know, take the temperature of the world out there by watching what other people are doing. That's all an echo. Because yeah. for just to have to say it, the outside world's an illusion. It's an illusion that, that the experience of life happens happens from the shoulders down that the visceral experience, right? Yes. The eyeballs are taking information in, but if you're trying to gather wisdom using the five senses, sight, taste, hearing that the wisdom's behind that. That's what intuition is. This is the name of what we're working on. It's called the intuition project. Intuition only happens when you quiet the five sentence senses and listen to who is Bill? Who's that fourth grade Bill? What did what did I want in fourth grade when I lived on Elm Street with my blue carpet and my green wallpaper? And who was I? What did I want? I wanted to teach the world to sing. I wanted to work with animals. That's what I've wanted my entire life. So what am I doing if I'm not doing that? I'm not living my original purpose. And you just have to find what that original sensation of your life was. Your fourth grader knows everything. Your second grader knows absolutely. Like if we got quiet, Trey went back to you in fourth grade and we had that conversation with him. You'd come out and go, damn, he's so connected. He just wants what's simple and beautiful. Now, again, we're adults. We got to pay bills and all that kind of right. stuff. But deep down, the intuition's behind the sight. It's behind the hearing. It's inside the whisper and the echo and the longing of the heart of the boy. That's where he is. That's where all life lives inside there 
Everything else is a goddamn distraction. I'm so sorry. I sound like such an old man. No, no. I wouldn't even want to listen to me because I'm like, oh, really? Is he going to say that again? It's a distraction. Yeah. Right? Running, exercising. It's so important to do, but it's a distraction from Bill. Working hard, you know, all that stuff. Powerful. We're mammals. we got to satisfy that. Don't get me wrong. I love all that stuff. It's still a distraction from the mainstream of insight, and that's the wisdom inside our heart. Yeah. And that word distraction, I don't know why. Well, I do know why it, it, it why it feels the way it does. I just, it, it, there are so many more distractions now God, than there were ever. even in the early two thousands and ever. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, it, it's so difficult to tune them out. I mean, specific, I'll just, let me just speak for myself. I, I, I had to give up the news and you know, that mm-hmm. on the surface it feels, Oh, you're not going to be informed. But <laughs> now it's just, it, it obviously is very biased, but at the same time, it's just distracting me from what I actually want to accomplish yep. in my life, whether or not I'm paying attention to what's going on between Russia and Ukraine, which I'm still going to learn about and hear about. I just don't yep. have to do it through the news. Yeah. That makes me feel like, I, I don't know. I just, I don't need somebody to tell me how to feel about something. And I don't know. I, it's, you nailed I, it. I, I, I love yeah. it. I, the reason why I love that is because my parents are always like, why don't you read the news? I'm like, um, because I don't, I'm trying to accomplish something that is trying to bring the inside out into the world. And that is just this crazy, wonderful, tasty distraction for 10 or 15 minutes. I keep up. I know what's going on in the world. I'm, I'm, I'm knowledge enough to be dangerous to have a very, um, I was going to say thinly veiled yeah. intelligent conversation because I'm just not that intelligent. I don't know. My buddy's like, tell me about politics. How's the Biden? I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't even want to go there because I'm not right. intelligent enough. I don't, I don't, I care because it means a lot to me and my family and everyone else in the community in the world. But yeah. I want to choose where my attention is. Yes. And I, I'm very selective of where my attention is. And I'm not saying I'm always productive, but you know, come hell or high water, I want to choose whether I want that news static on the background. Yes. And if it's not going to be additive and, and the news, like you said, the news is designed to draw you in. It's sensationalized. Right. And so it's not real news on a lot of level. It's just like, it's always like a dog lost. Someone died. What about the good news? What about the right. old lady who's having a good day? What about the, the fire? I'm like, you never hear good news because right. good news doesn't sell. Right. Because everybody's depressed. So they want to know that other people are depressed. <laughs> right. Which is the business I mean, model that Facebook yeah, works on. I mean, they, they thrive on engagement and yeah. you get the, the negative posts get far more yep. engagement than anything else. Yeah. Totally. Um, are you careful about what you form opinions on? <laughs> wow. Let me know if you need more context. Well, we call my mom Mary Opinion because her last name is Mary O'Haran <laughs> and I love her dearly and she would, probably would never listen. Maybe I'll get her to listen to this, but um, she has an opinion about everything and yeah. a lot of it's acerbic and, and, and judgmental and, and, and critical and never really that positive. So I unfortunately probably don't do as good a job as having an opinion. I tend to have a very knee-jerk binary just, you know, opinion and that always means I need to do work on Bill and, right. and what the real reality is. And so I, I'm, I would say that's one of my biggest challenges, pitfalls, and the parts of me that I thought I'd be a lot better at at 57 and I'm not, and I feel bad for it. I just, you know, I, I need to be better choosing my, choosing my battles really. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Um, you know, it, it's painful to talk about when 
I, you know, we obviously have a long history of prejudice in this country and long before I was born and long before you were born, it's, it's just, it's, it's part of this country's narrative and it can, I, I, I don't want to be a racist person, but mm. I, when it comes to, you know, calling somebody out in my head that who cuts me off white, black, doesn't really matter. Yeah. There yeah. are things that I would say in my head that I would never say out loud because it's yes. a knee jerk reaction yes. to somebody that I think I don't like, and I don't know who they are. And that's just, it's, it makes me feel bad when I, when yeah. I think that way. We're so conditioned, right? We're so conditioned. I'm still conditioned by my dad's perspective on the world, not good or bad. His dad conditioned him, his dad conditioned him. And it all goes back this long line of our ancestors that were conditioned, right? We're an amalgamation of all these influences that we couldn't change when we were young. Unfortunately, they stick in our limbic system. And then we get to our twenties and thirties and suddenly <clears throat> I'm saying stuff to my wife that I'm like, where did that come from? She's like, right. you sound like your dad. That was all unconscious. Right. Yeah. And so we have to we have to loosen up. We have to become aware, consciousness, awareness. We have to we have to loosen up that which we're not even aware of, we're storing and how we're reacting. And the only way to do that is in silence. The only way to do that is through the therapeutic process. Maybe you need medicate. You need to slow down the rational mind and get at the emotions because there isn't an, there isn't a physical act in human history that hasn't been driven by an emotion. Yeah. That's what EQ is. Everything's driven by my experience of what I'm feeling right now. It's driving how I respond. It's driving my opinions, right? And so if I haven't gone into my vulnerability, my longing, my sadness, then I'm just going to be this, this judgmental curmudgeon going out in the world and poking all the things in the world that's wrong. Right. Then what good am I? I'm no value to the community. And so it's only through my vulnerability and being in touch with my emotions can I add any value because once I tune into my sadness and longing and joy, oh, then I can tune into that guy who just cut me off, his sadness and longing. I always say, <laughs> I never, here's the thing, driving is a great example. The reason why my wife's like, why did you honk the horn? Why aren't you mad? I'm like, because I'm as bad a driver, as aggressive a driver as that guy. And I salute yeah. him. Yeah. I salute him for cutting me off. I salute him for not using, well, I should say, I don't salute people when they not use their, their, their blinker. <laughs> I curse them out loud, yeah. Yeah. but I'm not cursing the person of cursing their act. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, it's, it's so knee jerk. And, um, Men, especially, I think we get very, we get very tight with our opinions, right? Good or bad, good or bad. Nothing's good or bad. It just is. And it's my opinion of it. It's my experience of myself reacting to that is all that matters. It's all that matters is how am I responding to it? And can I change my response? Because I can't change the outer world because we've already realized the outer world's a freaking illusion. Right. And there's nothing I can do to the outer world. I have to, I have to work on Bill and try to then go out into the outer world and share myself and let people decide. And I don't mean like, you know, I'm just saying in general, you know, yeah. it's not about teaching the world, it's just me going out into the world and being vulnerable and open and honest with myself. And if other people respond thusly, however they want to respond, that's going to be their experience of it. And I can't change that experience of it. That is such a great lesson and such a great point. Ah, oh, I absolutely love that. Um, dang, Bill, it's already Thank been an you. hour. I, I appreciate everything. Uh, before we start to wrap up, though, yeah. I want to ask you if there's anything else you want to talk about in regard to the Intuition Project. Stay tuned. Uh, okay. It's been a long journey and it's going to come out this year. Um, I've got a couple people that are just phenomenal, just phenomenal. I'm lucky. They found me. I found them. They found me. And, and you know, all I can add is my spirit and my, and my vim um, and some of my, you know, work that I've done. But, um, 
we just want to start piling it and, and you'll definitely be one of the first, you know, five to 10 people that I let know happen, you know, when, when it's out there and it's, it's not about money. It's about just giving folks a way to realize that everything in human experience is about understanding self. I know it sounds so new agey, but it's just, it's basic stuff. It's really hard stuff. And we just want to be able to provide not only the resources, but here's how we know that every human being since the beginning of time has been going through exactly what you're going through right now. It doesn't matter if it was in England or India. It doesn't matter if it was 10,000 years ago, 25,000 years ago. What your experience right now has been happening for 200,000 years. And so we're with you. We got it. We're going to help you. And we're, we want to be able to be additive if you want to, if you want the information. That sounds incredible. Obviously, I still have my own hangups in regard. I know you said it's not supposed to be new aging. There are, I think, a lot of preconceived notions about studying some of this stuff because it it feels, I don't know, to me, I guess, talking about knee-jerk reactions, when I have conversations of that sort, it seems like it's it's regression. When it's not regression, it's just it's allowing ourselves to open up more in ways that people used to be. And now we're so close. Yeah. Yeah, Bingo. So, you nailed yeah. it. Everything we're trying, this is what the Aquarian age is happening. Whether, whether you and I believe in the Aquarian age doesn't matter. Whether anyone else believes it doesn't matter. It's happening. Mother earth is on her own freaking journey. Yeah. We either on board or we're not on board. And it's going to take this probably 15, 20 years, this transition, right? It's all happening. The feminine energy is back. She yeah. is here. She, it, it, the Aquarian age is all about everything is up and everything's there's no judgment anymore, right? Whatever sexuality you want, who the fuck cares, right? right? Whoever you are, become it. Don't hurt. <laughs> this is what I say to my kids. As long as you don't kill anybody, right. do what you need to do, right? I'm being facetious. Of course, you got to be right. good. You got to be respectful. Respect yourself first. It means you'll respect the other people. But the it's happening, right? You're going to see things happening, earthquakes, all that stuff. It's not like, oh, I wonder what's happening. Mother Earth, it's changing. It's moving. It's processing. It's in a constant state of becoming. And we've left this old cycle and we're in this new cycle and it's game on again, whether people believe in it or not, 20 years from now, we're going to look back on, damn, that was hard COVID. Damn, that was hard in 2022, but it's beautiful. It's powerful and has nothing to do with Trey and Bill has everything right. to do with this is massive 25,000 year cycles. You know, the, the Hindus say a human being comes back and they go through a billion lifetimes and then just start all over again, like kind of mosh on that for a little bit. Like, whoa, that's endemic. <laughs> to the Vedic belief, right? right? So they already come in with this huge universal knowledge or knowledge of the universality and this continued infinity experience. And so, you know, it means I maybe shouldn't get hooked up on what my shrubberies look like and all these little things that, yeah, they matter and it's important, but don't get hooked on them, right? Get hooked on who are you and are you working on it? And are you sharing your vulnerability? And when you share your vulnerability, that means I feel comfortable sharing my vulnerability. And suddenly we have two people sharing their vulnerability, which means if somebody's listening one person, they're going to go out and share their vulnerability. Like that's what it's all about. That's what the Aquarian age is about. Be human and don't put constraints on it, regardless of your color, your sexuality, your religion, you know, whether you're male or female, be be good to yourself, open to yourself, which means you're automatically going to send that vibration out to others. It's I, fucking game on. Excuse my French. I'm so no, sorry. But I, I'm swearing. We, we, <laughs> could, we could just stop right now. I mean, I, I could not close a podcast any better than that, Bill. <laughs> oh, man. I, I love talking with you, man. We Thank need you. to do it more than Thank once you. a year. Please, um, please. I, I appreciate yeah. it. Um, I only cried three times in this podcast, so that's good. Typically, I'm, no, I'm just kidding. That's I mean, I do. I, I, I weep up with the passion yeah. of life is just so precious you know dude it's so precious like 
Don't waste a minute wondering what to do. Get on your cushion and sit quietly and cry and weep and open and celebrate and dance and paint and sing and be human, right? Be human. Don't let anybody slow you down. Be the human being that your fourth grader always wanted to be. Yes. I love that. Okay, I'll shut up. I love it. No, uh, (laughs) again. Fourth cry. I'm tearing up again. That's four. (laughs) I I can't thank you enough, truly. Um, You you know the drill. I've got a few closing questions. Yes, You know, I... I want, I want to do everything I can for you. I mean, this, this, every time we get to talk, it just, it, it brings so much value to me and it means the world to me. And so if there's any resources I can provide for you or for somebody's listening across the country and they can provide resources for you, yes. what are you looking for? What do you need right now? So you can continue growing in your personal Love journey. It. Love it. Um, oh, it's a, I, I forgot. I'm looking at your email right now. That's right. Um, so we're polling what would people want if they had to go back for, you know, a master's degree or if they haven't finished college, what kind of course would interest them? Um, you know, in any context, but really, you know, we're looking at does what we're doing have meaning? What, what aren't you getting in your life and how would you like a professor in a school and a curriculum and resource building place like an education system? What would you like them to provide to you? Right. Are you, when, if you're 35 or 25 or 15 or 65, what would you like to see? What would you like to learn? Would you want to learn about history? Would you want to learn about religion, philosophy? Like what would, what's interesting to you? Um, let us know. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're on this mission. We feel like we've gathered a ton of data. We know where the world's going. We, th- well, the world's going. we feel that the world's going in a direction where 20 years from now, we're going to look back and that all programs are going to be based on emotional intelligence. And, you know, we did see, in 2020, a buddy me sends me an email and this private equity firm was setting money aside so that the, the, the CEOs and C-suite folks of the businesses that they're buying could do therapy. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> Hold yeah. on a second. You're saying this private equity firm that's got a billion dollars in the are setting, they set aside $3 million so that when they purchase another company in the private equity portfolio, those sweet C-suite folks could do therapy. Oh my God, that's emotional intelligence. Yes. Oh, it's happening. <laughs> right? So, so, hey, you know, it's like Mother Earth, like if you didn't think that has a lot more to do with the new world versus the old world that we just talked about, right. that's a perfect example in the high, high-end financial space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in regard to the polling you're doing, is it an online poll that's- No, we, we don't. Okay. Great question. Um, actually, you know what? We need to set that up. That is a great, great- uh, We don't have that. So okay. really- I'm just putting it out there, you know, you know, my email address or whatever, like, you know, happy to take in all that information, but that's, uh, we don't have something online yet. Perfect. Um, yeah. And just, I mean, to, to the point you made about emotional intelligence. Yes. The, the two things I thought of as you were asking, you know, what I would like to learn or learn more of emotional intelligence and critical thinking. I think those Mm -hmm. are two things that unfortunately are not taught to kids as they're mm-hmm. going through schooling, at least public schooling. What do I know? I, I but it just, it's, <laughs> it seems to be the case. Yeah. 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 Um, Beautiful. awesome. And then next question. Um, uh, I, I know you've got a million of these books, but if you could mm-hmm. pick one book that has just had a profound impact on mm-hmm. your life, what would that book mm-hmm. be? So this, this is the one that just jumps out. It's not even close. So I'll give you, for instance, what, you know, this was, so in 1996, a gentleman said, just pick up this book. 
don't ask me any more questions. It was a, I did a, I did a seminar on hypnosis when I was living in London because I'd already started meditating. My world was unraveling in a beautiful way, hard way. And I was trying to figure out the difference between hypnosis, prayer and meditation. And I walked up to the gentleman and did this course. He was kind of, you know, relatively nationally famous. Um, Burke Goldman, his name was, and he looked at me, he looked right through me. Like he was, he's taller than me. He looked right through me. He's like, read this book. It'll change your life. And he just basically walked away. And I like, there was like a, there was like a frequency in my shoulders. I'm like, whoa, what is this book? Right. Another example of the power of this book, Steve Jobs died. 500 people at his funeral. Yeah. When people walked out of that funeral, they were given a wooden box. Guess what was in that wooden box? That this book. book. There was one book at his bed, bed stand, his entire life. Guess what that book was? This book I'm about to say, Autobiography of a Yogi. Awesome. Written in 1946, the true story of Yogananda who came to the U.S. in 1926, I think he came, and just pick it up. You can buy for two bucks on, on eBay and, you know, God forbid you read the whole thing, change your life. You read, you know, first 10 or 15 pages, doesn't, it, you know, there, it's not, doesn't fit, totally get it. But right. that book resonates with the deepest truths ever shared in, in um, the 2D, 2D world, 3D world of a book. That's amazing. Mm. That's amazing. And I, I think, and I, I, I may be wrong, I'll have to go back and check. I think that's the book you, book you mentioned before, which is a great it thing. Probably it just, was. <laughs> it speaks wonders to uh, how much it means to you. I mean, that, yeah. that, that, that emphasis in your voice, just, I, oh. I, 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 need, I need to grab it. So I, I mm. certainly will. And I will, of course, mm. put it in the show notes. Thank um, you. Bill, if, if you could leave the audience with one call to action, what would it be? I'm probably going to tear up again. I wish there was another way to know oneself. I wish there was another way to address sadness and longing and joy and being human. And if there's another way, I'm out there looking for you. But the only way with the last 200,000 years, with the ancients I'm doing and what what's, we know is super effective is get yourself in a room by yourself, sit down in a chair, Put your back straight and close your eyes and just listen to your heart. And I could go on and on, but that's all you need to do to begin the process. And what happens biomagnetically, biophysically, it's called waking up this energy at the tip of the spine. It's called Kundalini, okay? Yeah. Kundalini, right? And so it sits at the tip of the spine. And so when a, when a, when a human body sits in a chair quietly with a back straight, there is a reboot button. I know this sounds new agey, but it's a scientific fact. It starts to light up this energy at the tip of the spine, which then rises up the spine and starts to rattle the physical body. And it rattles all the unconscious stuff stored, all your karma, all this amalgamation we talk about. The human is just an amalgamation of all your ancestors' experiences that are now living in you. I wish it wasn't true, but it is true. You are an amalgamation. So do you want to wake up that amalgamation? Do you want to wake up the intelligence? You don't. If you don't want to, please don't do this. If you do want it, it's been going on for 200,000 years. Don't take it from me. Look it up. When you do that, you wake something up. And it's going to start to shift and change your frequency that the, the, the electrons in your body, and it's going to start to move stuff and you're going to sense stuff and it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be beautiful. It's going to change your life. And so the call to action is 
Trust your heart. Be courageous, not in your outer self, not through your five senses. Be courageous to sit in a room quietly. As Carl Jung says, in the cave is where all the treasures are. When he said the cave, he said it was meditation. It's in the quietness of the cave where all the treasures of our lives are. The treasures are your experiences and your grandfather's experiences, your grandmother's experience that you don't even realize you're carrying, your mom's sense of self, your dad's longing and sadness are all living inside of you. I know it's a heavy call. I know it's a heavy load. I know what it's like to be human. It's heavy and hard, but go there. Be courageous. Challenge yourself. You challenge yourself in your work and your and your life and your workouts. That's all great. No, no, no. Come back and challenge yourself right here on the spot, on the cushion. I love it. That's it. I love it. Bill, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for everything. Amen. If um, How can people reach out to you? How can they connect um, with you? Woheron at gmail.com or my um, my website, um, wholecounseling.com. Um, whole, like whole foods, but counseling, wholecounseling.com. Call me, email me, text me. Um, you know, um, yeah. I just, I, I love connecting. I mean, this is beautiful. Made my day, made my week, made my month. Um, I could, as you can tell, I can't shut my mouth and I'm incapable of small talk. My <laughs> wife laughs at me every day. She's like, really? Oh, really? Don't get Bill started. Don't say astrology. Don't say meditation. You won't shut him up. So well, bless you, your soul, dude, for putting you, up with me. You've always got a space for it anytime. Please <laughs> just let me know. I, I, I love talking with you, Bill. It's it, it. This friendship means the world to me. So thank you so much. Absolutely. I appreciate it. You're a great, great man. I'm not just saying that. And um, I look forward to more conversations. I would like to once again give a huge thank for my friend Bill joining me on the podcast. It is always so incredibly enlightening having the opportunity to speak with him. If you liked what you heard, please be sure to check out the show notes at themosaiclifepodcast.com where you can find out more information about Bill and of course you can connect with him. He's a great guy and I highly encourage you to reach out. And once again, on Friday, March 4th, I will be launching a brand new podcast called Bits of Happiness. If you're interested in learning more about the podcast, if you're interested in subscribing, please be sure to check out the show notes of this episode. And if you sign up for the email list, you will receive the first episode of the Bits of Happiness podcast in your inbox this Friday, a full week early. And if you'd simply like to subscribe to Bits of Happiness in your podcast player, you can visit bitsofhappiness.life where you can find all of the subscription links. I can't express how much it means to me that you've taken the time out of your day to listen to this podcast, not just today, but over the last 135 episodes, giving me the opportunity to even start a new podcast. It means the world to me. So thank you so incredibly much. I hope you find value in the Mosaic Life podcast. I hope eventually you find value in the Bits of Happiness podcast. And if there's anything else I can do to uplift or support you, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. Thank you all so much. And until next time, take care, do better, and be well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.